If you have your uh, Bibles or electronic devices, I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're just going to camp out there this morning. I'm Pastor Tom Atkinson. I'm the discipleship pastor. I have the opportunity to just spend the next couple minutes with you as we unpack this portion of God's Word. And and what a cool weekend to be with you. What a cool opportunity uh, at New Year's weekend. You know, uh, many of us have been spending time with family. We've been spending time with family. Uh, We're enjoying the holidays, the break. We're getting ready to celebrate a new calendar year, which in reality is just another day. But it's, one, it's amazing what we, what we hinge to that other day, what we say as we flip the calendar from December 31st to January 1st, like something magical is supposed to happen. You know, we celebrate, we watch Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve. You know, maybe I just dated myself. But, you know, but we, we celebrate New Year's. But, but here, here's what I know. As we celebrate New Year's, as we get into this season, what I know is this, is that, you know, we enter it with a lot of dreams and a lot of ideas and a lot of things that, you know, we hope we're going to accomplish. You know, or better yet, what is it that we feel, you know, we have in this next year? So the question I want to start with is this, what are your dreams? You know, or better yet, what do you feel you were placed on this earth for? What is your purpose? What, what were you placed here for? I've titled the sermon this week, In With The New, because I believe that in this time of year, you know, we take inventory of our lives. We say, here's what I have accomplished, or here's what I want to accomplish. Here's where I want to go with my life. Or, you know, maybe it's, you know, I, I want to, you know, be healthier or exercise more. Or, you know what, I'm going to make my bed this year. Whatever the case is, we set goals in our lives. And, and I, I know for me, you know, I reflect on what's important and I kind of do this self-evaluation. But as I evaluate everything that's going on, I also know that I have to evaluate my walk with Christ. I think it's important that we go, where am I in my relationship with Christ? Where am I in growing in Christ? Have I really lived out what he's poured into me? See, I believe this, that we're not here by accident. We're not just in this room by accident. We're not put on this earth by accident. God designed you and God designed me with a purpose that he has set us here on earth to accomplish. And he says, look, I've given you a purpose, and I need you to live up to your purpose. I need you to accomplish what I set you here to accomplish. We're not here by accident. We are, as Scripture says, fearfully and wonderfully made, and he made us with a purpose. So some of us know our purpose, and, and we're pursuing our purpose or our calling. And some of us are still here on, you know, trying to figure out the path. We're trying to figure out what that purpose is. And, you know, some of us here, quite honestly, are just trying to get through today. And that's okay because we're not here by accident. I believe what God has for us may just, you know, revolutionize the new year. As we look at this idea of new, we can say, you know, what are we going to do? You know, statistics tell us that 41% of Americans make New Year's resolutions. That means that just under half of us are going to make a resolution to do something different this next year, to change something. I I make a resolution every year. My resolution is to not make a resolution. And so far, I've lived up to it, (laughs) which means I only do it every year. Because, you know, I used to say, hey, this year I'm going to work out more. But I realized that, and I've shared this before, that I really think that I'm allergic to working out. It's the truth, because every time I do, my heart rate goes up, I start sweating, I get red-faced. It just has to be an allergic reaction. 
And so, you know, knowing myself, I, I got to stop. You got to step away from the things that might cause you harm. Can I get an amen? All right. So what I'm saying is we got to know ourselves. We got to know who we are. We got to know what's going on in our lives. You know, this means that, you know, we're going to make these resolutions. We say, here's, I, I'm going to be different. I'm going to change something about me. I want to take on something. Uh, if something in my life needs changed, here's the weird phenomenon. Why do I wait till January 1st to change it? And, and, and it really is true. It's like, you know, I'm going to go on a diet in two weeks. You know, as we see the new year come, it's like, I'll just wait. Not that I need the diet today. I'll need the diet then. We wait till January 1st to say, now my life should change. When in reality, with each morning being new, we should say, today, Lord, change me. Make something new in me today. I don't want to wait until the calendar flips, but Lord, do something in me today. Make something new in me today. You know, with the new year coming, we have this opportunity to live up to our, our dreams and the opportunity to live out who we are. But here's the truth. God is at work in our life right now. Even now, as we sit here, God is at work in and through it. Even if we can't sense it or see it, he's at work in and through our life. And he's saying, look, I have a purpose for you. I have something that I put you on this earth for. I want you to accomplish it. And the New Year brings the anticipation of the rejuvenation, the newness, that there's just something new about New Year's. Now, don't get me wrong. I like new. I enjoy new. You know, whether it's a new car, in my case, a new car to me, it was somebody else's car, but it works better than my old car. You know, I like new. But there's one thing in my life that I've really gravitated that when it's new, I mean, puts a smile on my face. And it's not anything too elaborate. And I hope maybe some of you can relate, but I love socks. You're like, that dude's weird. Okay, checking out. No, I love socks, and here's why I love socks, because I'm the youngest of three boys. And mom, mom and dad did everything they could to provide for us, right down to sewing my socks. Or should I say, sewing my older brother's socks, who sewed my middle brother's socks, who gave me the socks that had been sewn for years to come. And so, you know, they did everything. They provided all they could, and they were wonderful parents. But as a kid growing up, being the youngest of three boys, I ended up with socks that had been, you know, mended and mended and mended, and my toes didn't hang out but they also had extra lumps in them, okay? So when I got old enough, I went sock happy. I'm still sock happy. You can ask my wife. I have more socks than I know what to do with because I love socks. I love new socks. There's something about putting on a new pair of socks for the first time. But here's the weird thing. Once you put on a pair of socks for the first time, they're no longer new. Now they're old socks, and for Christmas, I got 10 pairs of new socks. <laughs> and so for me, I'm trying to space it out. I'm going, okay, one a month. One a month, I get a new pair of socks. But then I have to figure out which two months get cheated. See, this is where my mind goes. It's like some month is going to get cheated. Some month is not going to get a new pair of socks. And you're like, why are we talking about socks? I'm like, I don't know. I went on this tangent, but here we are. No, here's the truth. When it comes to living out our fullness in Christ, it's not as easy as just changing our socks. In fact, some of us here this morning, we're facing stuff. We're looking into stuff that is so, so scary, so, you know, earth-shattering, so heavy, so, such a burden that we're going, a newness, I'm trying to get through right now. You're talking about a newness. How do I change into a newness? Well, I, I think we can look at this, uh, this verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians. It just kind of pours out 
what we should do, how we should live. And so in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one verse, we're just going to camp out on one verse today. It says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Let me just read that one more. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So let's just take a minute and unpack and examine this verse. I believe it's so simple, but yet we can miss so much in this. Not only do we understand the nature of our relationship in here, we can understand the power that God has in and through us. So, you know, to set the foundation, the first thing is our life in Christ. Understand that this is just the foundation of the new. It says, therefore, if. Now, the Apostle Paul starts out with an if, and he says, you know, it's interesting as he makes this statement, he says, if. So that's the question that we have to ask ourselves right there, if. You know, he's saying here, in the case of, or supposing you claim to be in Christ, if. Okay, and that's, a, that's a massive if in, in our congregation, in our world, because we've got a lot of people that claim to be Christian. But it, if. And then the, what's interesting, he says, if anyone. He doesn't say if some, if the chosen, or if the few. He says, if anyone. So it's this all-inclusiveness of saying, if anyone, all those who claim to be in Christ is a new creation. So what, what's it mean to be in Christ. So the foundation of the new exists in this prescribed understanding that one must be in in order to experience the new. So what does it mean to be in Christ? Charles Spurgeon, the, the English preacher from the late 1800s, points out there's three areas in our lives. There's three areas we go through, three conditions of a man, if you would. And he says it starts with life without Christ. And see, this is where we're all born. We're all born without Christ. We're, we're made as a creation of Christ, God formed us and made us, but we're still without Christ. We enter the world without Christ. We come into this world without Christ. And until we come to the place where we've accepted Jesus Christ and surrendered our life over to him, we are still without Christ. We're creation, but we're not a child. He's created us, but we've not entered into that personal relationship with him. And without accepting him personally, we risk being without Christ for eternity. So we're born without Christ. And here's the key part is that we have people around us every day that are in jeopardy of spending eternity without Christ. And it's not how much we attend church. It's not how much we come and go through the motions. I can go to a Broncos game, but I'll never be on the team. See, I can come to church, but never be in Christ. We live without Christ until we enter in that personal relationship with him. So until we accept him, we're still on the sidelines. So there's life without Christ. Then there's life in Christ. When we accept Christ, when we are in Christ, we surrender our will to his will. It's when we give our life over and and say, God, I accept you, all of you. And I hand over my life to you, and whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whoever you want me to become, I'll become. My life now becomes your life. You're now in control, and I'm no longer in control. This is where we change from just being a creation of God to a child of God. When we place our trust in him, we now are found in Christ. 
And being in Christ is greater than simply just being a fan of Christ or liking the things of Christ. Being in Christ is about placing everything you have and everything you are in the care of Christ. Being in Christ is saying that uh, from this time that I accept him, he becomes Lord and I become less. I surrender everything to him. My future is now placed into his hands and I will trust him with everything, not just some things. You know, we, we go through life and on a good day, it's easy to trust God, but on a bad day, it's like, I don't know that I can trust him right now. So even in our darkest hours, we can trust him. Even in our, our, our biggest fears, we can trust him because we've placed our life in him and are found in him. See, it's interesting that thousands of years before this, you know, Noah was, said, was told to build an ark. He said, look, I'm, God says I'm going to send a flood, and for 40 days it's going to rain, and this, you know, this whole earth is going to be wiped out because, you know, these people have turned against me. So Noah builds an ark, and the only safety was to be inside the ark. There was no safety outside of the ark. And for us in 2017, almost 2018, the only safe place we have is truly in Christ. See, being on the outside, looking at it, brings us no security. Being on the inside, being in Christ, is the only true security. Romans 8.1 says this, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Which means on judgment day, when I stand before God, I have to give an account for everything I did. And when I stand before God, I am found in Christ. Christ says, that one's mine. My blood was shed on the cross for that one. I've paid the price for that. I'm now in Christ and found in Christ. So because I moved from a life without Christ to a life in Christ, I am now able to have a life with Christ. That's the third condition of man is life with Christ. Life with Christ will never be obtained until I've acquired a life in Christ. It's the reward. It's the reward for placing my life in Christ. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. By placing my life in Christ, I now have the rewards of eternal life with Christ. And life with Christ is everlasting. It's beyond the days here on earth. It's eternity with him. So that's, that's the prescribed, that's the, the setup of life of a new. But the results of life in Christ is where we're going to get it. The life in Christ, what, what does that mean? How do I do that? Paul's assumption is that being in Christ should bring about a radical change in a person's life. This new creation, this radical change that takes place in our lives as we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we accept Christ, we invite his spirit in. And we say, Holy Spirit, come, come live within me. Come guide me. Come direct me. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of us to guide us. And we give the Spirit control. And we, get, we begin an internal transformation that has us seeking to live our lives to be more like Christ. See, this is where our selfishness, you know, the, the I in our lives, the I want, the I need, the I desires, gives way to the great I am. It's saying that I am is greater than the I. God is mightier than who I am. Just to bring it down and saying, you know what? If I am in Christ, then my desire should never come before Christ's desires for me. 
I should never stand before what God wants. I should never get in the way of God's plans. I should be totally submissive to who he is and what he's asking me to do. So here's the trick to this. The, the new creation is not something that I can accomplish on my own. See, when it comes to creation, God created. God spoke creation into existence. He said, you know, let there be light. Let there be expanse. Let there be earth. Let there be man. He spoke it. God created. And so from that point on, God is the creator. And when it comes to being a new creation, I can only do what I can do, but I can never recreate who I am. Only God in me can create. So unless I trust the Holy Spirit to be at work in me and through me and to do something amazing with me, I'm still trying to do it on my own. And in order to be new, I have to let go of who I am and allow God to work in and through me and surrender everything I have to the great I am and let go of the I. I can't be selfish and say, but this is what I want, Lord. Instead, I have to let go and say, okay, God, if that's what you want. Okay, God, I surrendered my life to you. I am in you. Make me this new creation. See, on the outside, though, we may still look like the same people. But slowly, inside, he's transforming us. Slowly, we're submitting ourselves. We're letting go of who we are, allowing him to work with us. The way we do this is through God's word. We know God's word. We spend time in God's word. We spend time with God. In order to become more like Christ, we got to know who he is. And I'm sorry to say this, but you know, we can't just limit that to just the weekends. This is a daily process where we say, okay, God, to create a new in me, I have to let go of who I am and my selfish desires, and I have to spend time with you. That's why we push life journaling. That's why we think life journaling is so incredible. And so it gives us a, a plan to spend time with him. So the desire is not, hey, read your Bible. Desire is transform your life through scripture. Let the Holy Spirit speak in and through you. Become who God has called you to be. You, you've heard the, the saying, out with the old and in with the new. In Christ, it's more like in with the new, so out with the old. So the second thing is this. He says, the old things have gone. Too often we focus more and more on what we've committed to or we're, what we've done in our past, who we think our past is and how it shapes us instead of looking at our future. He says in Scripture, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. Which means I should look new and new every day. My life should transform. I should change who I am in order to let the old go away. Old things, the things that we used to chase after, have now become secondary or even not important at all. Our new desires in Christ will radically change us to pursue his things and not our things. See, in my own life growing up, my, my dream was always to be a firefighter because Tommy likes fire. Okay? I love fire. You take me camping, you build a fire, I'm good. For days I could watch fire. I just, so I, I grew up, it's like I'm going to be a firefighter. That is the plan for my life. That is what I'm going to do. And even when I, I, I met Carrie, I, I was still testing for different fire departments. I was on a fire department in Levine, Arizona, just outside of Phoenix. And my goal was to be a part of the Phoenix Fire Department. So I'm testing for Phoenix. And, you know, then God says I've got a different plan. And I remember going, but God, there's fire. And fire's fun. And see, I still geek out to the point today when I see a fire truck going down the road, I'm like, oh, that is so cool. 
I will stand and watch fire truck. If I could visit a fire department and just hang out, I'd love it. I just, the smell of the fire department, the, the gear, the, it's just something about the fire department. But God said, that's not what I have for you, Tom. I got something different. And I was like, but God, they're firefighters, and that's what I want to be. And he says, but I've got different plans. And then I had to go back to going, okay, God, you know, I surrendered my life years ago to you. And you are calling me to something else. And, you know, you've been doing this work in and through me. And, and so now I have to let go of what I want in order to allow you to work in and through me. And I had to let go of this path I was on. I had to change the path to say, okay, God, if this is what you have for me, I'll be faithful and follow it. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it's going to bring, but I will follow it. But that's not my dreams, God, but I'll let your dreams become my reality. See, the apostle Paul had a different plan for his life too. The apostle Paul was spending time persecuting the Christians. He says this whole movement of Christianity has got to get stuffed out. And he started persecuting Christians, allowing Christians to just be persecuted. But then Paul, on the road to Damascus, he went from persecuting Christians to a personal relationship with God. Christ showed up in his life and says, Paul, this path you're on is no longer the path you're going to remain on. There's going to be a new you, a new creation created in you. There's going to be a new dream and a new hope for what you're going through. It's the same transformation that Christ calls us to as a result of following him. See, ours may not be as drastic as the Apostle Paul's. We, we, we may not be persecuting Christians, but we may be getting in the way of what God wants to do in us and through us simply by remaining selfish. We may be standing in the way of what God has for us simply because we've dug our feet and say, no, this is what I want. Instead of releasing and saying, God, it's about what you want. It's about letting you do in my life what you want to do. See, Philippians 3 7 through 9 says this, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. They say the Apostle Paul saying, whatever I chased after, whatever I felt was going to give me gain, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and for whose sake I have lost all things. He says, I consider them garbage, or in some translation says, I consider them rubbish. These are things that should just be thrown out. These are the things that no longer matter. These are the things that I no longer pursue. But he says that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He's saying everything else I pursued, everything else I chased after is rubbish, is garbage, is trash. It doesn't even compare to being in Christ. See, being in Christ is where the truth comes. Being in Christ is where the passion comes. Being in Christ is where true life exists. It's where the new creation comes from. And then Paul goes on in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, 1 through 10. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. 
For, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. He's saying, let go of the old things. Let go of the old you. Embrace the new you. You've died. And your life is now hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So he says this, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, the sexual immorality, the impurity, the lust, the evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, he says, put to death those things that you're chasing after. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, he says, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. He says, do not lie to each other. Since you've taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of the Creator. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old things have got to go. The old things have got to leave. And here's what we do. We kind of hold on to the old things. We, we grab hold of our past and we hold on tight. We say, this is, who is, this, this is what made me. This is what has brought me to this point. It's the grit of holding on to our past. And what God's saying is, you've got to open up. And you've got to release. You've got to be open-handed and say, I'm letting go of who I was. And when we're open-handed, we're ready to receive that newness that comes from Christ. We're ready to say, God, I'm open. I'm ready to receive. We can't receive when we're tight up like this, but when we're open and ready, it's a posture of saying, Lord, pour into me this newness. My hands are open. My spirit is open. Lord, pour into me, which takes us to the third point. The new things come. New things have come. Therefore, if any one of us is in Christ, we're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. It says, look, there should be evidence. In some translation, it says, look, the new has come. There should be evidence in a person's life that he or she is in Christ. If we were to stand in judgment right now in a court of our peers, would they find us guilty of following Christ? There should be evidence in a person's life, that they have come to Christ, that they're in Christ, there should be fruit. Our life in Christ should reflect more of him and less of ourselves. Galatians 5, and 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Our new life in Christ should reflect more of Christ in me and less of myself. And we can't do this on our own. It's through the Spirit in and through us that these things are able to happen. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of our own perseverance. It's the fruit of the Spirit in us. Through the Spirit, I should show more love. This may not be my normal nature. I may not be that loving of a person, but through the Spirit in me, now I should become loving. And it's not an overnight process, but, you know, it's like I'm making progress that I'm showing a little bit more love because the Spirit's at work in me. I'm showing a little bit more love because the Spirit's at work. Before we know it, we become this loving person because the Spirit has transformed us from who we were to who we now are. So through the Spirit, I I should show more love through the Spirit. I should share more joy. Through His Spirit, I should experience more patience more forbearance. I may be an impatient person, but through Christ and his transformation, I now have 
patience. Through his spirit, I should offer more goodness. Through his spirit, I should exhibit more faithfulness. Through his spirit, I should become more gentle. Through his spirit, I should show more self-control. See, this is the life where we're moving into the future, not knowing all the outcomes. We'll never know all the outcomes, but we'll know the major outcome. See, I don't know what 2018 holds for me. I don't know what 2018 holds for you. And to sit here and say, here's all the outcomes, we don't know. But here's what I do know. The major outcome is this. God wins. Christ paid the price on the cross. Christ conquered death. And if you read the back of the book, Christ wins. God wins. So I can go into my future knowing that God has already conquered. God wins this whole thing. That I don't have to rely on what I can do because God, who conquered death through his son, wins in the end. And so I can put my faith of whatever I'm going to face this next year, the newness of this next year, I can place in him knowing that he wins. Christ's love will overcome all that we face or will face. It's moving into the future. You know, with that open-handed idea, instead of holding on to the past, we're open up to receiving what God has us and has for us and knowing that he wins. So I no longer have to walk into my future backwards staring at my past. I can now turn around and look at my future and say, it's a new, I'm a new creation. And I can walk into my future fully knowing that God wins. Yeah, this whole concept, it's called eschatological realism. It's a big word meaning, okay, eschatological is where we study end times. We know what happens in the end times. And if we study end times, we know that God wins. And if I know that God wins, it means the realistic expectation is I can walk into my future knowing who holds it. Knowing that in his hands are my future. And he says, I'm not going to do any harm to you. I have plans to prosper you and give you a full life. So I can walk into my future knowing that God wins. See, the I am is greater than the I. It's relying on God to be at work in you and through you. It's becoming a new creation. It's, it's knowing that all, the only way to obtain this newness is in Christ and through his power and not our own. It's knowing that, quite frankly, we're not strong enough. You know, I, I can't do this on my own. I can't be who God's calling me to be on my own. And he didn't say that you have to do this on, his own, on your own. He's saying, I'm going to give you my spirit to rest in you, to guide you, to direct you, to call you closer to being more like me and to call you closer to me. I know that I'm not strong enough. I know that I can't do this. And Paul knew that he couldn't do this on his own. And he penned in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, he says this, but he said to me, my grace... My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. See, God's power is made perfect in my weakness. God's power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Now, th this is something we don't see every day where someone says, you know, let me just boast about how weak I am. Instead, in our culture, we boast about how strong we are and what we're able to do. Instead, Paul's saying, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly 
about my weakness. So that Christ's power may rest on me. It's as if saying, God, I can't do this. You're going to have to do this through me. They're saying, I'm not strong enough, God. You're going to have to rest upon me and do this through me. This is why he says, this is why for, this, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And it's amazing that sometimes the weakness of not being able to carry what we need to carry brings us to our knees. We just can't take it anymore. And when we're on our knees and we're saying, God, I can't do this, then God shows up. Because when I'm weak, then he is strong. It's no longer being burdened by who we were. It's more about how we're becoming like Christ. It's not about what I have. It's about who has me and who's called me and what he's called me to become. So let me ask you this question. Are you in Christ? Are you ready to take on that new creation? Are you ready to let go of the old and allow God in? Are you facing this new year, the new desires of your heart with a new attitude? And what do you need to do today to make sure your life is in Christ? Will you bow your heads with me?